Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I'm uh, your host, Aaron Snyder. Frank the Tank is sitting this one out. He's got to take care of some paperwork. But uh, I have got a real close friend of mine, longtime guide and outfitter, uh, Bart Lancaster with Guides Eye Outfitters on. Uh, Bart, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on here. Hey, no problem, Aaron. It's going to be fun. Yeah, like yeah. I like to, I don't struggle with the talking that much. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, for those of you who weren't paying attention, um, I just got back from a hunt uh, with Bart and crew where I was able to shoot a bobcat lynx, mountain lion, and a wolf um, up in his area in British Columbia. And uh, man, it was a, a hell of a trip. And, and you've, um, I mean, you've been, tell everybody about the, yourself. You've been doing this since birth, basically, your entire family has. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we grew up in it. And we we're fortunate about that. My father was uh, 22 years old when he bought our first camp down in the Kootenays for 12,000 bucks. He said it was the most nervous decision of his life. And um, yeah, we went. We stayed in that part of the Southeast First Columbia until I was um, 12 years old, and then from 13 years old on, we were in the north. And my brothers, of course, were a year and 10 months older. So, yeah, a long time. And um, yeah, with the dogs, I started, you know, I just had a passion uh, about hounds, and I started, you know, saving my pennies and my quarters when I was five years old for to buy a dog. And um, every Christmas was devastating until I was nine years old and got a dog one spring when I was nine years old. So <laughs> since that day, I was in <laughs> yeah. it went. Well, and you've guided for... Uh just about everything at one time or another you just specialize a little bit more now obviously in the hounds uh you do uh black bear hunts um with the hounds as well which is pretty crazy i'm going to come up this spring and do that one but you've done everything from moose stone doll bighorn i mean you've done everything in mexico i mean you kind of pioneered a lot of this mexico stuff haven't you well, you know, I've been there a long time. There's always somebody ahead of you, right? But, um, I, you know, I was 24 years old, and I was invited down with a client, and I thought, desert sheep, what the heck? And then, um, yeah, I was, you know, 45 years old and still still dealing with it because, um, I don't know, the desert, the de- desert wilderness, like all wilderness, gets in your blood, and you crave it. And, um, yeah, I've covered everything. I've been through a lot in North America. And uh, I just I really love North America. Maybe I would have done more international, but uh, my brother Clay had a helicopter crash there years ago, um, a week before my wedding, and um, it was in March. And um, after that, my wife said, you know, I'm not going to complain about what you do, but um, if you could hold away from that area, that would make me happy and make our marriage good. So that's what I did. Yeah. And, well, yeah. North- Get, awesome. Give people an idea as a rough guess, just because some some listeners down, um, you know, that we get don't really realize how many animals um, you guys get in front of you as guides and outfitters, and, and obviously you and your family uh, as well. How many hunts, successful hunts, would you say you've been on for? And that's bear, cats, sheep, everything. Aaron, it's, um, <laughs> it's all of I don't know, but when it's your lifestyle, it's different, right? So it does. It's not like it's greedy and you're cutting all these tags for yourself and stuff, right? But um, you know, if I have a really, really slow year, it's like around 45 animals, and if we have a busy year, it can be up 60, 70 animals in a year, right? That my I myself am in front of, not counting guides, crew, whatever, right? 
and it's a real diversity of animals. So yeah, you add that up over, you know, pretty much since I was, I would say, 14 years old, I started doing the full years, and there's a wrangler going, and um, you know, it's been a long time. You know what? Another thing that's really cool, Aaron. When I started out in the northern British Columbia in the mountains, I, if you want to say apprentice or I was wrangler, I worked for a, a woman guy, guy named Ella Price, and she was like five foot two, and she, um, she guided all fall, and then she trapped all winter, and it's amazing, you know, but she taught me some really cool stuff. So, um, yeah, there's some, there's some incredible women out there that do some stuff that will blow your mind too and she she was amazing i mean i summered the horses in the mountains with her and uh, when i was 14 and she left once looking for horses for four days she took a rifle or axe her, her dog and her coffee pot and her coffee and she came back four days later i mean just like <laughs> she didn't take food aaron she um <laughs> it's ate little... stuff out there well, I, and i mean i don't i try to let um you know, kind of people um, around, uh, you know, like, I don't know, but like my friends or whatever, like before I went um, and hunted with you, I, I think I was telling maybe Dana or Anders, um, I said something. I said, you guys obviously know how many animals I've been on. You know, I've, I've, I've probably killed, you know, X amount with my bow and um, been on another, you know, maybe double that helping. And I said, these guys I'm going with, and, and this was when I was going with you, I said, Bart, I... I pale in comparison. It's a shadow of what these guys have done or, or Bart has done on the amount of animals you've been on. And it's hard for some people to understand because, you know, down here, if you, if you get one or two tags a year or three on the normal budget and you, you know, you fill one tag or two tags a year and help a buddy, you know, that's a pretty eventful year. But when you do it for a living with all the different areas you go on, the experience level is just, um, phenomenal and what I was trying to explain to them is is just because you have a big social media following doesn't necessarily mean you know what you're doing where you don't you hate social media uh but everybody you know you're one of those guys everybody should listen to <laughs> yeah I really suck at it but um uh, uh, that's why I know guys like you so you can inform me what's going on in the world but uh, you know Aaron it's, since I've been home since we've seen each other last right you headed home I come home I've um I've been on three hunts I've taken three animals right um, and that's, um, that's, that's just how, how it rolls. And right now I'm talking to you. There's a young fellow that's working for Collingwood Brothers, um, this Dave Warnley. And, you know, he's 22 years old. And he's just passionate about learning. And, uh, he, you know, he's, he's texting me right now for the weekend. Let's go this weekend. We're out. We'll be on, we'll be out fighting this weather. I mean, the weather's not conducive for, for lynx hunting, but we're going regardless. We're going to be out there. We're going to be in the field doing it. So, yeah, that's how life goes. It's my passion. I love it. I love, um, you know, now getting my kids out there. But, yeah, we get on a lot of animals in a year, and whether people agree with it or not, um, that's a, you know, I don't really care. I mean, I'm my main focus, though, if you're going to break it down, Aaron, is the predators because, you know, I don't believe we should be taking ungulates without harvesting predators. If I could make the law in North America, I would make it. If you wanted to kill a split-hooved ungulate, you would have to kill two predators, and that's the law I would make because you can't take one without managing the other. It's just how it is. It's a balance. And um, We talked a lot about that when I was up there because uh, I was getting death threats and dumb shit when I'm, you know, I was posting some of these photos. But 
Yeah. I mean, we had a, a mountain lion eat a bobcat while we were running the yeah. bobcat. For for example, we had two lynx. What one lynx ate the leg off of the other lynx uh, with whatever they were fighting over. And what we hunted for five days and a guy with a recurve, and I grabbed your 308, but uh, the guy, you know, we shot a bobcat lynx and mountain lion and a wolf in five days. You and guys, think how many predators we, we drove by looking for certain ones, right? Think of that. Oh, insane. Think of how many, yeah. And how many lynx, how many well, bear tracks we've seen on our trips still, right? And wolves. And, um, Jesus, a lot of wolf tracks. Wolf, wolves everywhere, right? They just flood in like crazy, and the problem is, is we got an epidemic for the whole province. And every time you work on one spot, they just fill in, they just fill in, they just fill in. And um, yeah, um, people, when you're not in the field, you don't get it. You just you you don't get it, right? When you're in the field, um, you get it. I'm going to tap a little bit about and um, braving the grounds about the Yukon. That was a real sad deal this year with the lady and her baby that were killed, right? And um, that situation is is not about grizzly closure. I, I wish I could say it is, but it's not about grizzly closure. It's about, about bad luck, bad timing. But when you live in the mountains, you live in the wilderness, um, you're always confronted with grizzly bears and situations, right? And, and it's a tough out there. But when your hands are tied and you're not allowed to do anything about it, that's when it gets super frustrating. Because they're, grizzlies are one of the coolest animals in the world, and so are wolves. I love both species. They're amazing animals. But they don't know how to look after themselves, right? And that's why when you get a lot of the early history books, if you read them, like the first guys in the early 1900s that were doing uh, expeditions, hunting expeditions, they were killing quarter curl and half curl stone sheep because that's the oldest sheep that were out there, okay? And then the whole province of British Columbia did predator control, predator management, not decimation, but predator management for several decades. And that's when Jack O'Connor wrote his great books and great articles about 30 stone rams in a bunch. And wildlife was in abundance and in a good balance because the wilderness up here is massive and it can support it. And that's when we had lots of animals. When, and then the emotions crept in and then people started looking after the world based on emotions and everything's gone to bits since then. And everything is based on emotions rather than reality. So that's... I'm glad you brought that up because one of my uh, friends, uh, his wife and he almost got a divorce because he shared the photo of me shooting a wolf and his family, his wife's family went apeshit and he was like, well, hell, I want to go, you know, hunt him. And he was like man, I don't even know what to say. And I'm like, well, here's the problem. They they live in a kind of a rose, you know, covered glass, uh, you know, uh, they live, I don't, I'd say in denial, but they live in a world that's so desensitized, or uh, not desensitized. I, I mean, everything is humanized. All these animals and everything, they look at them like warm, fuzzy creatures, and they don't see the, the actual truth. I'll use the words for you. They're all sheeple. Yeah, sheeple. They're sheeple. They follow. They don't have an original thought. They get told what to think, and they think that's great. I don't mind ever having a, a discussion with anybody um, based on their thoughts about uh, management of wildlife if they have a structured, thought-out argument. But they don't. They don't have it. They just come at you emotionally distraught about the situation, and they, and they don't get it. Wilder- in the wilderness, 
nature is not kind. Do you think any moose or deer that does live to be old dies a nice death? They don't. They starve to death. Predators, eventually their teeth rot or fall out. They starve to death or they're chewed up by other predators so bad that they walk away and die slowly. I mean, or they're just plain killed and eaten, like that bobcat that got eaten by the cougar, right? It's right. not, it's not, nature's not nice, man. Nature's not nice. And everybody, you know, they, they lose focus about that. These bears don't want to come and cuddle with you. I can promise you that. I mean, some are more docile than others, but they will all eat you. You know, at the end of the day, you become food. It's how, how the cycle of the world goes. I'm not saying they're all looking to attack somebody because they're not. But um, at the end of the day, if you're out there, you're part of the whole chain, the whole cycle. And, um, you know, as soon as you have a grizzly bear chase you, I've had it several times in my life. And when you have a grizzly bear on your heels, you know, whether you're on a horse or whether you're scrambling up a tree, your whole perspective of things change. Uh, change. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I had a big black bear run me once when I was like 14 uh, with my dog. And I was just out exercising. I ended up with this bear. tried to get him. And he ran me. He couldn't climb a tree. And he ran me. And I hit a little fir tree. And I went right to the top of it like a squirrel. And he hit the bottom. And it was too big and cumbersome to get there. And he sat there for 45 minutes looking at me, smacking his jaws and hoofing and slobbering. And once you have that, and you know he wants to make a little food biscuit out of you, your perspective changes a little bit. I'm telling you. And, um, and if you, you haven't been there or you haven't been on your horse, and had a, a grizzly reaching out, an 800-pound bear reaching out with his claws and his legs, trying to grab and lift the heels of your horse and knock him down so he can eat you and your horse and running you on a, on a death run, then shut up. You're not, you don't have an opinion on the matter, okay? Because it, it is real. It's real out there. Talk about wolves for a little bit as far as, I mean, I always use the, you know, the, analogy of you don't put muskies in your trout pond if you want to keep catching trout. Um, wolves do nothing, uh, you know, they run in packs and they do nothing but run around and eat everything and they have no, um, they have no season, they have no bag limit, they just run around and eat everything and they breed like crazy and so I don't think people realize it's not just like a coyote eating a rabbit every now and then. They're taking down the largest, I mean, they take down moose constantly. Um, you know, talk a little bit about that and your experience with wolves. Well, they do, and they, they populate number up. Um, what happens is when you get an area that's hit heavy by wolves, you get predatory disbursement. These animals, they split up. They don't, they don't like a moose, lots of times cold weather, they'll yard up in big meadows and they'll come into a good food source. They don't. Then their health goes down because they hide in the thickest dog hair jack pine where they have a few sticks to eat and they get super skinny because they're hiding for all they're hiding for their lives, right? And then, so they disperse out. If they make the mistake because of hunger and come out to eat, the wolves come along and boom, they kill them and they eat them. And believe me, ten or twelve wolves. And I would say in my career, my whole history, ten and twelve wolves is a common pack number, right? It's very common. Then you can get up. I've got, I've got up to seeing, you know, numbers of 18 or 20 in a pack. The other day, well, what did we see on that ice going across that ice? We counted 14 different sets of foot tracks yep. heading up the ice, right? And, um, you know, so they can get like that. When they get like that, they eat a lot of meat, and they kill, and they eat, and they move on. They kill, and they eat, and they move on. And um, what's going to they, – they, they take the opportunity that presents itself in front of them. They're not selecting through them left and right. 
they're knocking through areas. But at the same time, they might there might be a moose standing there because moose don't run from them. They know that if they run, they're dead anyhow, right? They stand and they let the wolves choose. Sometimes they will trot by them if they have, a, you know, if they're trying to mark territory or cover ground and they got a full belly. They'll come, they'll go by them, but they'll come back to that spot and eat them two weeks, a month later. They like, oh, we'll put that one in our back pocket and come back and get them. And um, that's how they, that's how they roll. And uh, they, you know, everybody thinks, oh, they have a territory bull crap. Take a pen and paper, sit down and start writing circles on a piece of paper. And that's how territories work. They're overlapping territories. They overlap and they come together. They overlap. Yes, they could have fights, but they usually avoid each other. And um, same with cougars, same with all animals of territories. They're overlapping territories, right? And, um, yeah, it's just devastating in between. Now, if you can get them down to, if you can get them down to, you know, three or four in a bunch, it's, you know, they can kill a deer and eat it on in a long time, or then they're limited. They won't just, they can't kill every moose because some of the moose are strong enough to fight that off. But 14, 10, 12, 14 wolves come along, it's dead. It's dead. They're eaten. They're killed. And they roll on. And they do kill. I have some friends that are actually spent the night here, and they're talking about their chicken pen. And a couple of days ago, Pine Martin got in there, right, into their chicken pen. And um, they have a really well-wired, like, thick wire, but it chewed and gnawed its way a little tiny hole. Got in there, and it killed every chicken because it's a Pine Martin. That's what they do. He didn't kill one and eat its meal and move on in life. They killed every chicken. <laughs> so they get in a frenzy, and they kill. You know, so, and that's well documented everywhere. It's not just my opinion. Oh, know? yeah, for so. sh- for sure. What do you think about the whole, uh, you know, I mean, I'm all for, obviously, eating what you kill if it's an edible animal. But I tried to explain, um, for example, we didn't eat the wolf and I wouldn't eat a wolf. But how much food gets wasted every year by humans that don't finish their steak and throw it away. There's no penalty for them for that, but then people are freaking out. We didn't eat the wolf. Yeah, tons and tons and tons. You know, and that's um, that's a discussion I'm I'm all going to tell you. Uh, you. You can't eat every every predator. I mean, some are just plain gross, and some taste okay, right? Whether you like it or not, you have to manage according accordingly and you you like to make laws they make laws here now about packing out all cougar meat all black bear meat all everything um not all predators are edible some yes they can be but a lot of them pack different parasites and different worms they are just vilely gross even smelling them is vilely gross i mean and anybody that's thrown away a half a cheeseburger or went into a fast food, food restaurant and ate it and walked away, you're a hypocrite, okay? End of story. You can't have an opinion. I mean, I'm not against cattle ranchers either because they run a process for our world and their meat. That's a fact, right? You need meat, you need leather. We're, we're, we're no different than bears, right? We're bloody omnivores. We eat uh, vegetables, we eat meat. And... Um, um, yeah, you, uh, I'm trying to work up to this the right, right way, and it's just frustrating for me because um, um, wake up and smell the roses, people. It's not all about just what you eat. And then another one, Aaron, I love this one. I'm going to bite into this one right now because you got me half riled on this. Okay, trophy hunting. 
Trophy hunting's bad. Trophy hunting's bad. Well, whoever give it the word trophy, give it the wrong word. How is the management of old species bad? Okay? Because when you trophy hunt, you're uh, hunting for old animals. And we were in the north in northern BC for years. We got to the point where we're killing bull moose. We're harvesting with our guys that were coming up, bull moose, and we're getting our ages back. And majority of our moose were between 12 and 15 years old. Okay, I want everybody to hear that again, right? The majority of the moose were between 12 and 15 years old. And you know what? The meat, which we packed all our meat out, still tasted like moose. Okay? This whole stuff where I want to kill a yearling or a two-year-old because the meat is so much better is a bunch of hogwash. That's just, that's, for me, it's bad game management. If you wanted my opinion, it would be all trophy hunting, the harvesting and the managing of all. And that's, you know, when we had Billy's Open here a couple of years ago, I was going to six different outfitters around here, and we were targeting big old boar grizzlies that were killing moose only. They were moose killers only, okay? And just like that study in the East in Alaska, where those big boars are killing on average 35 moose calves a spring. But believe me, once the calves get big enough that they're, they can travel, grizzlies don't care what size or age the moose is that they kill and eat. They have to be looked after too. Otherwise, you get nothing, man. They eat meat. They eat lots of it. Lots no, of it. No, for sure. And I talk to people... You know, I'm not a, I say I'm not a great trophy hunter, meaning I'm not great at holding out at times, and I never have been. And what I try to explain to people is, hey, a tro- don't, you know, a trophy is what you want it to be. It could be the experience. It could be whatever. Don't bag on guys that hold out for um, only shooting the oldest species, um, you know, but don't, you know, also d- don't be, don't be embarrassed if you go out and all you can shoot is a cow. There's nothing wrong with that either. And Just go and have fun. Yeah, I've, I'm going to back up a bit, Aaron, now that I've, I've stated that because I wanted to defend the people of the trophy hunter first. You get areas like Norway and Sweden where they don't have many predators. They do a game balance of so many cow moose, so many calf moose, or whether it's red or, or reindeer. So many cows, so many calves, so many bulls, right? But when you get an area that's heavily, heavily taken out, like my guide area down in Williams Lake, right? That country down there, they still have doe tags every year. They're still putting, sending out doe tags for hunters. And um, it's, it's embarrassing because there's so, that you need every ungulate possible reproducing um, a fawn. But if you live in areas where you don't have heavy predators, then you have to manage the female species the same as the male species, right? And that's a, it's a per area, per zones. That's called game management, and it has to be looked out. It's not called emotional management, and we have a whole bunch of emotions that manage it. And really, anybody that's not hunting a sportsman in the field is not allowed to have an opinion, okay? I'm not going to go down to Kansas and tell corn farmers how to raise corn or grain or whatever they're growing there, right? I'm not going to go down to California and tell them how to run their vegetable crops. So I'm going to say this. Stay the heck out of British Columbia with your opinions if you don't live here in the wilderness of British Columbia because they're not what's best for the land, okay? And unfortunately, we got biologists here that that set a lot of laws 
that do it basically on mostly on based on votes rather than on what game management. So we're done. This the system is is broken. No, we're, and I'm glad you brought up that because it brings. I hunted Alabama right after I was with you, and it's a it's a doe hunt. We go down there, and the biologist there. It's it's a biologist that the the guy that owns the land hires right, and that biologist goes. He counts the doe. Uh, basically the doe to buck to fawn uh, ratio, what the, you know, what you guys would call like with sheep, the lamb crop. What what are the fawns looking like? And he just flat out's like, there's too many does. And there is every year because no one wants to shoot a doe and it throws off the balance. And so he has a number that he wants taken off of that property every year. And I had a ton of guys message me, I can't believe you're going down there and shooting does. And I'm like, well, Look, it's obviously working because these guys are producing giant bucks every year. There's tons of bucks on the property. There's tons of deer on the property. It is managed correctly, and it's managed correctly because it's managed by people that have no emotion in it. It's guys that actually want to produce large animals and lots of them. And so, you know, you look at that, there's no predators down there. Now, Alabama, I think, has more hunters in that state than any other state in the lower 48. There's also more deer, but there is no predators. I mean, think about that. There's a reason. The only predator there is a hunter, and there is no four-legged predators, and so there's more animals. Then you look like where you are, where at where you are, there's not as many hunters uh, where you're at, at, at fraction in comparison, but there's... What do you got? Grizzlies, black bear, mountain lion, wolves, lynx, bobcats, pine marten, amongst many Wolverines. Other, Wolverines. Yeah, badgers. You got those two. Um, at least I think you do. And you have an issue with your ungulates. There's there's parts of the areas where you hunt where the it's just decimated. And a trophy hunt where you're at, you're trying to kill the most pain in the ass oldest grizzlies because they're crushing the ungulates. Same with the black bears, same with the mountain lions. I mean, how many mountain lions did you pass up before, with me, before we actually took off on one? What, 12 probably, 10? Ah, some females and kittens up like crazy, right? And um, and you know what, it's sad, but that's the last kind of ungulate area, winter range, where these ungulates are crashing into to survive, because once you get out beyond into the greater flats, the, the bigger uh, boreal flats out there, there's no, there's no animals left. They're gone. They're decimated. They're wiped out, right? So it's the last little charge in there. But yeah, it, Aaron, it's a it's a frustrating thing because we have the landmass to support so many ungulates. Okay, there's two zones where I live here in Smith. There's six eight and six nine. There's 450 moose tags issued into both zones, which is crazy because there's hardly any moose left in these zones. Okay, and they're just hammering them and hammering them and for what reason? There is no reason just to play little games, right? Um, they call her 22 goats in the Babine Mountains this year. They wanted to know why the, all the goats were going to the one end of the range and why there were so many goats at one end and none at the other end. It's because my good friends here have been trapping wolves, and they've taken 150 wolves out of there in the last five years, average, well, maybe 160, and these animals had a chance for survival. And it's that simple. The other end, there's no management, no wolves, and there's no goats left, right? And then even on the north end, they didn't all go there. No, right. This population is one-fifth of what it used to be. 
because it's just been wiped out. Another mountain range where there's no management, no whatsoever. 20 years ago, okay, I could go there and see 150 goats. Now I don't count 10. If I have a good day right now, I count five or six. And you're wiped out by wolves. Yeah. It's like, come on. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, when you, um, what, you know, we talked about this before where you, you'd use the, the term citizen science, where you're talking about people on the ground making decisions uh, that actually know what they're talking about. And you're out there with, I mean, you've got your crew, the Oilers. I mean, you're seeing, I would say, more than any 10 biologists in one year because you're out there two to 200 plus days a year. Um, and you're not just driving in circles. You're not just walking around. You've got the dogs, which obviously helps a lot. But you guys are also hiking all over the place. You're seeing things that most biologists aren't probably going to see. Um, and so you're seeing things that uh, your voice should be heard, and a lot of times it's not. Yep, it is true. And um, I love it. I, I give up going to wildlife meetings a long time ago because I got tired. I got tired of different biologists looking down their nose with a sneer smug because look at I have a degree and you don't uh, how do you how do you evaluate what a degree is what exactly is a degree it's a knowledge base right it's not a piece of paper at the end of the day it's what you're taught and what you know it's a knowledge base they don't even have they can't even sit at the same table as me and have a conversation I'm sorry they can't because I'm looking down my nose at them because they need to get out in the field and learn what's going on. They have no idea what's going on. They think their little computer graphs and their little surveys and their little ecosystem chart tells what the ungulate population is, and it's a bunch of bullshit. End of story. Uh, there's only one biologist in this province that is qualified to do this job, and that's my first cousin, Alana Ostrich. And because she was a guide, she was an outfitter, and she still has a small cattle ranch. And she's a habitat biologist in the Kootenai region. She has an opinion. I value her opinion. Okay? Now, there's another biologist in the Caribou region named Roger Stewart that's come out to my camp, that's hunted with us, traveled with us, heard our thoughts. I value his opinion. I value his opinion. And I'm, I apologize, there's a couple more, but we won't get into them. There's a couple more that if I had a private sector... If all game managers turn to private, I'd hire them back. But I'm going to say 90 to 95 percent of them don't deserve their jobs. Okay, they need to be gone. And the five percent that are left there, they need to listen to them. But their voices are crushed and, and closed, and they're shut down. Okay. Another thing is the conservation officers in our province. They need to listen to them, but they don't. These, these people spend their they're out in the field all the time in the back and seeing what's going on. Okay, 90% of them understand what's going on. There's a small percent that doesn't. They don't get a voice either. They should actually have a voice. Because they're saying where the problems are. And these guys are risking their life. One of them got chewed up this year in a province by a grizzly bear. Gotcha. Um, hey, move to uh, make the system. There you go. I say move your phone a little. You're breaking up there. Yeah. Well, there's ways to make the system great, and they're they're not doing it. They're, they're losing the chance. But... Um, it's a bit frustrating. Um, you know, I look around here. I'm, I've helped with the food program in town at my kid's school in the past. 
I've taken money from the grizzly bear hunts and used it for the food program because there's a lot of hungry kids in, in elementary schools. And uh, now I'm not because my whole, you know, income has shifted as well. But think of this. There's people starving, okay? There's people starving, and we don't have enough ambulance to feed them in our wild, in our wilderness here now. And we have the landmass to carry it, you know, 10 times of what it is now, maybe 20 times. And there's people with no food in their freezers, okay? The food banks are busier than ever. And it's based because of people with degrees, with smug looks down their noses, or people basing predator management based on emotion that are, you know, way off track making calls. And it's the wrong people making calls. You need the right people to get back to making calls or we're, we're in serious trouble. So, um, yeah. When you talk about with, uh, you know, obviously the predators and everything else and they, you know, they, they banned the grizzly bear hunting, which was a huge source of income for not only you, but all obviously the people under you. Um, but so now, because uh, I wanted to touch on this because I had so many questions um, and I'm going to pee while you talk. What all do you offer to guys right now um, on the predator side of things? Because I had a ton of questions of guys wanting to know about lynx and bobcat, the lions. What can you do for wolves? Um, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. You talk about what you offer, uh, how the hunts usually go, things like that. Yeah, sure. I will do that. Well, what I, what I do now is I, I do like a three-cat predator, cougar lynx, or, uh, cougar lynx, bobcat, and our bobcat are only open in December. Um, because it's the northern bobcat there, which is the right call. Um, and then um, I do some, I'm going to get back into um, the wolf hunts because we're just, we're really overrun with them. And I have to um, have to really focus on, on them um, to carry us through. There's no going to be no ungulants left. So, yeah, I do wolf now. I'm going to go down the end of January and do some uh, wolf lynx combos and maybe maybe one more cougar. Um, and then I also do the black bear hunts in the spring and I do all my hunting with dogs and I like dogs because it's target management. You can, you can target a certain animal and get them. And I'm in the spring in that country between the ranches. There's thousands of mother cows out there and calves out there. And these bears, it's just like a dinner bell ringing. They come in and they start slaying calves like crazy. And I wish I could say, but they don't, and we don't need to do it, but they do. And the ranchers are justified to be upset because they, they lose a lot of money every year because of predators. So I focus on the black bears with the dogs, and we target big boars, which are doing most of the damage, or the big uh, big boars. And um, we get them. And then I also do, um, I used to do grizzly bears, of course, in the fall, a little bit in the spring. And uh, certain target moose areas, we're taking out big boars and, and making a big impact on moose populations, right? Which end up turning into moose that people can harvest and put in their freezers. Um, so the grizzlies are gone for now, but I don't think they'll be gone forever because I think too much, too many problems will arise from it. Um, also, I still do contract moose hunts, contract uh, sh- uh, sheep hunts. I go in with different outfitters and uh, we'll do trips. Um, I would like to get into another um, northern guide area in the future, but I just haven't found the right one. That's captured my heart and soul. And um, yeah, so I'd like to 
So on the, I, I missed a little bit of that, but on the, the, and I'm sure you talked about the the bobcat and the lynx and the lion, the black bear. How feasible is that with um, a compound and traditional bow for all of the hunts you offer? Because a lot of the guys obviously were asking about that to me. Well, Aaron, this is this is where I, I've been waiting for this question, kind of, right? How shitty your shots are you? How good of shots are you? How much do you practice? Okay, it's very feasible. It's very doable for you. When I guide you, it's a it's a piece of cake, right? Um, you shoot and and things die, right? So it's it's feasible if you practice. It's feasible if you work on your fitness before you come. It's feasible, right? If you don't do those things, then it gets it gets more challenging, right? But um, it's it, yeah, it's very very doable. Um, matter of fact, is that. That bull that we, you and I go got, um, it just showed up for my daughter yesterday, and um, she's practicing what now, and she's determined to be a hardcore recurve hunter. So get ready. <laughs> um, uh, bull hunters, it's not my favorite thing to guide in my past, um, simply because everybody are, always argues about what's ethical and what's not ethical. And I hear as soon as I hear a guy goes, I, I don't shoot over twenty yards, it's just not ethical. Well, I don't guide you because it's just not ethical for animals because you're a shitty shot. I'm sorry, but that's what it comes down to. There's people that can shoot a bull like no tomorrow. You can shoot a recurve exceptionally well, right? I guided a guy years ago named Richie Bland that with a compound bow is going to outdo more, most people with a rifle out to 140 yards, 150 yards. And he just is very talented. Right, so it's not unethical for him to shoot 140, 150 yards because the animal dies, and it dies with a heart shot or a double lung shot. Okay, so it's it's very doable. But other guys, yeah, they have to be shorter uh, shots. If a guy phones me and says I don't shoot over 30 yards because I'm not good enough yet, I'm still working on it. I'm going to guide that guy too because they're honest. Okay, but the guys that just say it's just not ethical, I'm not doing it. Well, it's just because they're not talented. They need to be honest with you. Like we talked about, you have to own your own shit. When you do something, you got to own it, man. If your your abilities are only so good, you know, own it. So yeah, if you if you can if you can shoot a bull well, then yeah, you can do this. If you can't shoot a bull well, then you can't. So do I fear guiding people with a bull? No. Am I going to be standing there with them with the rifle? I am. But generally, their, their safety is not going to be at risk because it's our job as a guide to set up a situation where they're not at risk, right? Now, on, the, then, um, on the cat hunts, though, they're looking at probably a steep-angled 20-yard shot, which is a, a, a lot more doable than, uh, like, when you guys are baying up the black bears and obviously sheep and moose. On the cat hunts, those ones are a little bit more doable with a bow, I, I, from my limited experience watching it and, uh, you know, running them down here. For the Lynx and Bobcat, yes, very doable, all right? Because, um, um, you know, you get to look at your angle. You get to see if, say if you do miss your first shot, you get to see where you miss and you understand it. Guys that, that shoot enough, if, if they overshoot a cat, they're okay, this is where I might have turned my hips enough rock back enough or what they did wrong they figured out oh, it's very doable with the dogs coming through on the bear then you have to be you know it's a walking bear so you know you gotta you gotta time it you gotta it's a lot more feel i would say um but yeah the cats is, is very doable um and they're they're a small animal right they die easy it's not um 
they don't it's not a suffering tale we got to control the situation so we can they could die pretty quick right it's definitely a hunt that i strongly suggest um any uh trad guy to go to or compound guy because it was it was just it was unbelievable especially the lynx the lynx was the big one it's not something we get to hunt in the lower 48 you guys have i mean you told me at a pile of them and i still didn't understand how many links you guys have and the thing that's nice is, is, as you said, if you get one in a tree and it's just not a feasible shot, you just can't, it's not something a, a trad or compound guy can do, you can pull the dogs off yeah, and get them to tree in another one. And we had one tree, I mean, that couldn't have been more than 15 feet. I mean, anyone could, a blind man could have hit that one. Yeah, we get a lot of those. The, the lynx are a funny animal. They like aspen trees. And they like that short regrowth uh, trees. Not very often do they pick one of those big Douglas firs and go shooting way up there. They, they're usually 15, 20 feet and handy. And um, I think they do it because they're waiting for us to flinch or make a mistake. And they rely on their speed. I think they're just doing it ready to bail and be gone, right? So um, they, they kind of position themselves accordingly, which is great for, for getting in there and shooting it, too. And another thing is you just take... We have that target and camp, tie a rope to it, throw it over a branch, pull it up, and then shoot a few uphill arrows to see how you yourself are affected by that angle. And then it's good. Then it's um, it's not a big it's not a big deal. I mean, the whole challenge in the links is catching them and and learning how to really be successful at catching them because they can be they can be quite tricky, right? Oh and, yeah, um, I w- I w- the Krillians seem to have changed the game a bit on those links from what you guys were saying as far as getting them to tree. Yep, it, they they have. I have that a Korean dog from Poland, and um, a cross dog from Poland, and then um, a cross dog from uh, Robert Solomonson in Sweden that looks like that coyote, and he's coming on really strong, and um, it's going to be a good one, right? And they they do they take it. You know, I've done I I, I fought through it when I first started a lot of five six hours, seven hours, up to nine hours on the jump with links. And now uh, we get them on the jump, we send in, and they turn in 10, 20 minutes, and they're done. They just, they're in trouble. These dogs are talented. But you got to, like anything, Aaron, it, you don't just get one and then it does that. Because you got to go through some dogs that, until you get the one that's the natural ability. And then you got to, and everybody asks, how do you train them? How do you teach them? Well, simple. Just teach them to mind. Teach your dog to handle and mind and respect you. Be their leader, and then just give them the opportunity, and they look to please you, and then they they hunt to please you and catch, and they do, and it's the best system. But some, you know, I'll never be in the NFL. I'm a pretty good big guy. I know you're pretty scared of me, but um, <laughs> I'll never be in the NFL, right? And some dogs aren't. Some dogs don't have the talent. It's just how it is, and you got to go through a few. Now I, right? I, I oh yeah no I I mean I I definitely understand now hanging out with you more. Um, to put put stuff in context, I think uh, for people that are curious about doing this with a compound or a, a traditional bow, one of the uh, those guys said one of the harder shots they've had uh, was that that bobcat I shot because it was reaching out there at thirty yards and had quite a bit of branches in the way, and and I think it took five or six arrows for me to kill that thing because I missed it three times from bouncing off a of branches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to. Bring- you got to bring lots of arrows, and there's, I've had, you know, I've had every possible bull hunter that you could think of up there, 
and um, people miss all the time. It's just a new angle and new shot, limbs, little twigs. It's it's probably going to, at times, at times it'll be the easiest shot of your life, and at times it can be one of the most, I'm not going to say the most difficult, it's going to be the most interesting shot of your life. You really, It's like a conundrum, how am I going to do this? But you solve it, and you get, we get it done. Well, and right? that's just a fun we had to do is I had um, a Dom behind me and I'm like, dude, would just watch my arrow and tell me what I'm hitting. And I hit low just under it on the first one. Next one, I skyrocketed off a branch. So I scooted down the slope and it was just a matter of figuring out the angle of the dangle, yeah. um, you know, to get it. So, you know, the links was a little bit different. There was a lot more branches, but closer. And, and that one, um, I killed it relatively quickly, but it, it's definitely a hunt. I strongly suggest, you know, for, for archers, but definitely stick bow guys, because, um, you're, you're going to get shots. And if you're patient, meaning, and you listen to the guy behind you, if you got some branches in the way, the cat's probably not coming out of the tree, but I would strongly suggest six arrows. If you hunt all three, you want at least six arrows per animal, just in case to be safe. Cause you certainly don't want to come out with no arrows. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And I've used up, had situations, use up six arrows a lot looking through the forest trying to find them so yeah you need you need you need eight, you need to bring 18 or 20 arrows if you're hunting all three cats, right you need to bring a dozen if you're hunting one cat just for for everything right and um yeah it's, it's fun and that's why i talk to you i like to i'm going to be getting a recurve and um get back into it with my daughter here and uh, challenge myself with the same shot so then i can be a little more humbler when people are having difficulty i can say yeah well i probably took 10 <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it was cool the the mountain lion was uh super cool i mean that thing went down in in one shot and uh i mean great you videoed it and it was great video i mean i i pocket shot that one and he died in 20 yards or something um yeah. And I, I don't think you could have picked a tree, a better tree to to for that thing to stand in for that. No, it was awful nice. But a lot of the Tom Cougars choose choose good spots too. There, they don't like to be uncomfortable. So if they get uncomfortable, they jump and find another spot, right? So generally, they give you a pretty good angle of some sort, right? But um, yeah, it's um another thing, Aaron, is the, the type of arrow you shoot. I like a fixed broadhead, right? Um, that's just the the key to it all. Expandable broadheads. And myself have had really bad luck. Okay, I'm not going to get into the debate and whether everybody says they like it have a tree stand. Whatever, everybody can choose what they want, right? But um, whenever I have a fixed broadhead, um, it dies, and you had those two bladed broadheads, right? A real traditional looking arrow, and it worked awesome. It flew awesome. You shot targets in the yard awesome. You shot them in the tree awesome. So. Um, you know, that's more my style right there. That's what I would be shooting. You know, redesign the wheel. Buy straight works well. Yeah, and I would so. agree with the fixed blade thing because the mechanicals, one, they're going to tear apart the animal. Two, they're going to open up on the branches that you're not seeing, and it's a problem. Um, that bobcat, the arrow that I actually killed it with, uh, blew the branch in half in front of the cat and then went ahead and went through the cat. Um with a mechanical, you're going to have some issues with that. And, and I'm I'm not a, against mechanicals on this hunt. I agree with you 100% because there is so much shit in the way between you and that cat for that mechanical to open up. And it tears apart the animal, too. It does. I, and I can only speak what I've seen, you know, over and over. If I had to do deal with, you know, whether it's moose hunting up north or there, um, I, I think it, it probably is. 
okay? Brush-related. When you're dealing with brushes, it seems like you have situations that go bad. And um, so that's, you know, in my experiences, they haven't performed as well as a, as, as a fixed brush. So that's how it is. Yeah, yeah, no, you for know. for sure. Now, with you, you charge what fifty seven hundred for the links? Is that right? Yeah, I'm fifty seven hundred. Um, you know, I there's people out there that charge more, um, and people out there that charge less. I just found it as a fair price, and um, yeah, if you um, if you don't get a link, I bring you back for free. I'm that confident. Um, always with guiding, we're always aiming for a hundred percent success. You never can be. But I think you can always be in over 90, right, if you really have a good group of people. And it's about the team, too. So with a good team between Wyatt, Roger, Dom, Davis, Dennis, Wade, you know, we have a bunch of great guys, whoever's in there at the time. Um, we're all working together. And, um, yeah, we just we just win lots. We, we win a lot and have a lot of fun and enjoy it. And, um, yeah, it's a fair price, and that's what I do. And and how much are you charging for what you call the Predator package, where it's um, you know, Mountain Lion, Lynx, and Bobcat? Mountain Lion, Lynx, Bobcat. I'm sixteen five, because um, I try to manage Mountain Lion. I only want to take so many a year, and then um, the Lynx and Bobcat on top of it. And it, we'll do like you can get kites there. We do pick up an odd wolf tag. Um, if a person speaks English and understands it, I've had problems with international clients that just automatically think they get a wolf because they have a wolf tag and it doesn't work that way. So, you know, if you ask and we talk about it, I'll get a wolf tag as long. So when that situation like us comes up, you can you can pounce on it, right? Um, but, um, yeah, 16.5 for that one. And um, it's, it's a cool hunt. I have a lot of um, – I get people from around the world, honestly, on that hunt. So it's um, – it's interesting. You never know who you're going to meet in my camp. I can tell you that. And I, I treat everybody the same. I don't care if they come in with a private jet or if you come in there with your red plaid jacket. We sit at the same table and do the same thing. Yeah, and I can speak. I can attest to that um, a lot. That uh, it's a real laid-back crew. You guys laugh and joke. You don't treat anyone any different. You make fun of, uh, get made fun of equally, no matter who you are. In fact, I, I may have gotten a little more from Wyatt. Um, but I, I threw it right back at him. And it's fun. Like, there's never a dull moment um, in the sense of you're chit-talking at dinner. You go to bed. You wake up. You get the dogs ready. You're out and about running around all day. There's no stress. There's no egos. It's just a fun trip. It's just good times. And everybody, everybody's a target at times. And I think I take the crap the most, Aaron, for the record. Why am I that old? But I think I'm a pretty big target in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've got to say, your crew, I mean, as far as uh, physically, um, Roger and Dom, um, I mean, as well as their brothers, pretty crazy what those guys can physically do. I mean, those guys are machines at a young age. Um, and it's insane, too, how well they all throw knives. Good God, especially Dom. Oh, yeah. And you know why Why they're so good at it? They really don't give a shit what's going on in the world. They're living life and doing their things. And, um, it, you know, that's, they're all, they're all, they're all humble. And they're very talented, right? And um, so it works, as a, it works as a team. I mean, um, yeah, it's all about hustle and try and, and loving what you do. And they love it. So they don't, they don't, they don't act any parts that way. They're as pure as you get, all the, all the guys. Right. So, and, uh, you know, Wyatt, I, Wyatt helps me a lot with running and organizing. 
And um, he's right from the Dog Creek Reservation there, and he's been with me 12 years. And um, he's really talented too, but his approach is a little more laid back. And the redheads, they're like a bunch of red ticks. You just let them go, and they're uh, pretty intense when they get out there, right? So um, intense and not and grumpy intense on focus on being successful, and they get after it. So it works really well. No, those guys are those guys are great for sure. Well, man, we're working on an hour here. I don't want to keep you um, too long, but I'm I'm hoping you'll hop back on maybe in a couple, three more weeks to a month. I had a list of guys send me a ton of stuff they wanted to cover, but each one of them uh, is going to take about an hour. So I'm hoping you'll do a couple more of these uh, with me. But uh, man, I appreciate everything. Yeah, and, I, and anybody that's out there hearing it and want to debate this. Uh, I'm I'm game for it because um, we're we're at the point in our world where we need to do something. We need to look after our ungulates, and thankfully the Canadian government on a national level finally recognized we need to do something about caribou. Even though they will do it ass backwards, totally wrong. Um, at least they're recognizing it, right? And um, so changes hopefully need to be coming before we lose, you know, species, whole species. So. Um, Think about that, everybody, before you get all emotional about shooting wolves or shooting predators. Think about all species and that they all matter. Every species matters. Look after them all, okay, including the human species, right? We're part of nature, too. No, for, for sure. Where If people are interested in booking a hunt with you, where can they get a hold of you at? Um, just look under the website under Bart Lancaster, and uh, my cell number's on there. Or two five zero eight seven seven thirteen fifty seven. Send me a text message. I don't listen to voicemails. Um, so yeah, send me a text and we can talk. And then what's the website? Uh, uh, Guides Eye Outfitting or just under BartLancaster.com. You should find it both ways. Gotcha. Cool, cool. Well, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you uh, taking care of me on the cat hunt. That was a hell of a time. I know we're going to have Frank up there to do it uh, next yep. next year as well as do some bear hunts, so I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to have lots of fun. Um, yeah, I just I enjoy guiding here, and it's a good time. We have a good time. We're on the same page, and, you know, we don't have to look after each other. We do it. Just go. So, yeah, the the wolf was a straight up redneck shit. A testament of that. If it wasn't for your driving and me hopping out of the truck between those two yeah. things and hauling ass, it, <laughs> that was crazy. That was good, but we got one. That's what counts. And uh, if any of you guys are out there wondering, Aaron leaves shit all over worse than I do. He's got gear from one end of that. <laughs> it is pretty bad. <laughs> I did. I've always been that way too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, thanks, Aaron. We'll talk soon again. All right, buddy. Take it it. easy. You bet. Bye. Bye.